We've had some fun this week with the whole deal. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, we started a series last week we're calling Emotional. And I, I had my, my, one of my daughters kind of scan that for me. I said, there's nothing bad in these pictures, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you use a picture and you think, oh, my goodness, I didn't see that in there. And, and uh, you know, there's, we need to be smart about this, you know, as we get older. I mean, we don't always see it all. We don't know all these things. You know, sometimes students, students are way, way, way ahead of the curve, you know. Um, in fact, I was talking to my mom yesterday on the phone, and she's having a problem with her computer. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if I could just be there right now and fix this. And then I, you know, I was thinking, I have a nephew. He could do that. He's right there. And it's funny how a lot of times young people, they just come by all this stuff so naturally. It just fits you know, in their lifestyle. But, but if you're not familiar with this, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to define that in a minute. But if, you, if you're not familiar with all that, you know, most of our phones come with these little emojis. This is the original one. I remember this from you know, back in the 70s. And uh, just a happy face. You know, I, it's hard for me to even to look at that without smiling. It just cracks me up. Something about that smile that, that just is funny. And then, you know, if you're not happy, you could be sad or really sad, cry a river. Of course, that could be sarcastic, but, you know, you, you got to, I mean, that's the thing about emojis sometimes is I don't use them very much, but, but sometimes if I'm trying to be funny or, you know, and it may not be that funny, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you're like, do you want to tell people, oh, yeah, it was a joke. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be what, probably how it's read, but, you know, and if you're angry or if you're really, really angry, so those things can happen, and that's good. But I, I thought what we'd do today is maybe give you a little test and see, see if you really are picking up on this. And I know some of you maybe, and again, younger people, you, this would be too, super obvious and too easy. I get that. But um, let's, let's just try one right here. and let you, you tell me if you think you can figure this out. What do you think that means? Sunglasses. I, I heard that come from this area, so I don't know how young that person was. But yeah, sunglasses, that's easy, right? How about this one? Love letter, okay, yeah, see, you guys are good, it's too easy, isn't it? So I could write a whole sentence up there, or you know what I was thinking, how many remember back in the day in, in like children's church or Sunday school when they, we would do our Bible verses like this, you remember that? You would have the Bible verse and then certain words would be replaced with a, with a symbol or a picture, what's this one? And I do feel hungry, just looking at that, not the dog part, but, okay, how about this right here? <clears throat> Coffee break, who said that? That was fast. Jamie, okay, Janie, do you need one? You ready to go? Okay. Yep, coffee break. Yeah. To me, it's never a break. It's just like constant coffee, but that's just me. Um, yeah. So if, you, if you're not familiar with these, here's the idea is that if you're emotional, that's just, you know, the emotional and the emojis, it's emitting, emitting, emitting excessive emotion via the emoji app in a text or other cell phone application. And if you're not familiar with this, someone, someone sent me this, this last week and they were kind of kidding around. It was a daughter and mother thing, but this is what they, they sent me, a screenshot of their phone. So if you can read this, at the top says, I'm here, and then the little clapping hands, and then I don't really even know who was writing which part, but then somebody says, are you emotional? And then they said, uh, maybe, and then they've got all those little emojis there. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's just an example of how it would look if you're using it in a text or something, which, you know, you could do that. You know what I've noticed? Uh, some of you, you know, we all grow up in a certain family, right? And uh, wh- whatever family you grow in, you don't choose that. But you show up in the family, and then the family has a, a, a kind of a, an ethos, kind of a personality that you add to. And we all add to that family. We're all, we're all part of that. We've been talking about how, um, is Grace in here? I think she's in toddlers, right? So I can talk about Grace a little more than normal. Because uh, <laughs> our daughter Grace, she was our first child, and we knew right away, I mean, literally, I'm, I, I try not to say literally very often, literally when she was born, she was going to be very independent character, because... Um, we did something kind of, it was really cool, you know, the, 
the doctor, you know, helping us give birth, she said, because uh, Nicole didn't do any epidural or drugs or anything like that, so she was super alert and aware, and she said, do you want to deliver your baby? And Nicole's like, can I do that? And she's like, yeah. So she did, I mean, she literally delivered Grace and pulled her, and, and Grace, <laughs> she was facing the other way, and she's just like, boom, I'm here. <laughs> and you try to cuddle her and pull her in, she's like, no, I mean, we're talking brand new minutes old and she wouldn't let you put her arm you know how you swaddle them up and she's just trying to struggle out of that thing and that's her wow. we're just joking around about how our family's going to be so different when she goes to college because it's going to change everything because at any moment of the day she can jump on her sister lily and start tickling her and there's there's laughter and yelling and and things broken and that's her <laughs> so your family can you know give you all these mixed emotions you know you're up you're down you're you're sad, you're happy, and maybe your family's a little bit like that. Maybe, maybe you have a family that's loud. Does anybody have a loud family? You can be honest, because if it is, it is, right? Everybody knows. Okay. And I, and I know we're all different, so I'm, I'm not, I mean, this is not a criticism. It just is what it is. But some families are like that. And when you're in the house, it's loud. And then some families are not. They're quiet. They're really quiet. And a lot of times, you know, we associate some of, things, some of these things with ethnicities, and to some degree, that's true. I know... You know, where I grew up, we had a lot of ethnicities around us. You know, my high school was majority uh, Mexican. And then, you know, of course, we had Asian, a different, different kind of Asian. And, and uh, uh, one of my neighbors right across the cul-de-sac, uh, he was, his mom was Japanese. And that was such a cultural experience for me going in that home. First of all, you had to take your shoes off. I'd never seen that before. And it was just, it was different, right? But here's the big thing. I don't think the entire time growing up as, as a friend across the street from Jim, I ever heard a word spoken in their house. Ever. I mean, we would, I would come over a lot, and I remember the first time starting to talk, and he's like, shh, shh, shh. I'm like, what? And he's like, just, just a minute, we'll talk when we get in my room. That's just different, right? I mean, it's totally different. I'd never, I'd never even experienced that. And it's, it's not as if our house was loud, but it sure wasn't quiet. I mean, there's other things, too, you know. Um, <laughs> maybe how many of you ever had this happen where this, this is, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to stereotype, but sometimes it's kind of a guy-girl thing. But, you know, guys, maybe you've had this experience where you, you talking to maybe your significant other or something and you say how you doing and she says fine you know that usually doesn't mean fine right it doesn't really actually mean fine what it means is the one on the right and it means not only is it not fine but because you have to ask now it's worse than it was a minute ago because now you're in trouble because you didn't know that it wasn't fine or why it wasn't fine I mean that's just kind of how it goes and those those things that depending on how you grow up I mean it's just like that some families, you know, they have big explosions and they yell loud and talk loud and then they, they laugh loud and they love loud. And that's life. And that's just how it is, right? And they explode and then it's over and done. And then some families, they need to talk it out. Anybody here a talk it out person? Isn't it weird how God does this? He a lot of times puts, <laughs> he puts you in your married life with someone who's not like that. Have you noticed that? You got to talk it out with a explode, run away and it's like, why does he do that? You ever wonder that? Why would God do that to us? What, did you ever think that maybe he knows what he's doing and, and, and both of those things need to be tempered somewhat and we need to find a middle ground to live life together in peace and harmony? And sometimes, you know, we don't want to do it that way. Like, no, I want to, I want to do life like I do it and, and you got to be more like me and on and on and on. <laughs> How many know people who it's, it's tears right away or... Or no matter what, they're always happy. Or some people are, are just, they just feel things so deeply. And some people are just so even keeled all the time. It's like they're always the same. I had a lot of people last week, they said, 
they, they came up to me and they said, you were kind of preaching right to me. Did you read what I put on Facebook last week? Is that why you did that? I'm like, no, I didn't. You know, and I, I don't always read. I mean, for me, Facebook's a great tool, you know, keeping up with friends and family. But I don't, I don't like go down the whole thing. I mean, if it's right there when I open it up, I usually read it. But that's about as far as I go. You know, so I don't, I don't see it all. And so in every one of those cases, that happened three times. And so I do the math like this. I mean, if, if three people said that, there's probably a lot more. And when they said that, I had to honestly say, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, well, it hit me, and I had to go apologize. And that's probably good. Or moderate what they're saying. I even had one guy say, that's why I don't do Facebook, and I'm making my wife get off Facebook. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's going to work out either. But It's funny because um, you, you may not think Scripture has a lot to say about these things, but it does. And we're going to take a look at a portion of Scripture today where, as you read it, you might think... Paul, the Apostle Paul, is slipping out of apostleship, and he's turning into Dr. Paul. Not Dr. Phil, but kind of a Dr. Paul. And I, I, let's, let's take a look at this scripture. It's in the book of Colossians, and it says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that doesn't sound like theology, does it? It doesn't really sound like he's, he's telling us about God or, or how God, you know, Jesus came and died for us or anything like that. He's, he's talking about emotions. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. Always be thankful. Hmm. He says to clothe yourselves in love, but here's what's interesting about this, is this portion of scripture, you see we're in in verses 14 and 15, he starts this thought way back in in verse 5. I don't want to show you verse 5 yet, because it gets kind of rough. And I wanted to prepare you for that, and I wanted you just to kind of calm down for a minute and just realize it's going to get really personal right here, okay? Are you good for this? You might even want to do this. I don't do this very often, but you might want to turn to your neighbor and and calm them down and just tell them, hey, he's not preaching at you. Go ahead. You can do that real quick. And then tell him he's preaching at me. Did you catch that? He's not preaching at you. I'm not actually preaching at any of you. To be fair, I'm preaching at me. And I want you to hear me on that. I... I don't sit here and think, oh, this would be good for Mike because he needs it. I don't do that. And if that even occurs to me, I don't even say that because I feel like that's not the way God would do it. I feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to me for us, and, and he will help apply what it is to you. So when people come up and say, oh, man, that was right at me, I'm always curious, like, what, what part? Because I'm not thinking that way, and it's, this happens sometimes where somebody will say something, and I'm, I don't usually tell them this, but it'll be like, I didn't actually say that. I, I said some things that may have, have led you to that, but what happens is a lot of times the Holy Spirit will take whatever is said and apply it directly to you. And that's the beauty of, of how God works in our hearts and minds because he knows you way better than I would anyway, and he covers all the things. I mean, I can't hit everything. He does. And he loves you and cares about you, and he wants to grow us up in him. So are you ready for this? <laughs> this is rough. He says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. See, I'm sorry, but as I look at you, I don't see lurking sin in you. I just don't. I don't want to. And maybe it's there, and of course it's there. It's in all of us. But I don't want to think like that. I want to think the best of you and know that God is working in you. And he says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality or impurity or lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. That is rough language. He's laying it out and he's saying, you guys have to change the way you're living. And here's the thing, before we even get to verses 14 and 15, like we were reading a minute ago, you got to take care of this. There's a big elephant in the room. And it's always in the room. 
And that big elephant is the fact that there's sin in our lives. We are not perfect people. Now, remember, I was saying you, we, you've got to realize we're preaching to you, not the person next to you. Because I know even as I said that, probably some of you thought, well, I know that's right. Because. And we love each other, right? But we live with each other. And there's times where we're aware of things that need to be fixed. But, but, but remember that whole opposites thing where maybe one person's a pursuer and one person's not that way in solving crisis? A lot of times we're not even the best husband and wife-wise or, or, or even, even in family sometimes to help be the best one to deal with some of those things because it's almost like we don't want to hear it from them. But then if we hear it from somebody else, we're like, oh, I see what you mean. And then you, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I, I, you could be sitting there thinking, I already said that. I told you so, which doesn't help either, I'm just saying. What's the problem with this? The problem is we all have a sin, a, a sin fallen nature. We all struggle with that, and we always will. I would love it if we, if we could get to a point like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. I'm perfect now. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? You know, you just feel like it's, it's almost like you, you, know, you work at a job, and maybe there's an internship or a, or a fellowship period, and you get to a certain point, and now you're, you're tenured. Boom. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to work on anything else. Everything's put together. I'm perfect now. I can just go on with the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's kind of like, honestly, it's kind of like this. You know, high school graduation, I'm not trying to burst any bubbles here, but it's a big deal, right? But it's, again, just another beginning. And you get there and you think, okay, now what? Oh, my goodness. I got to get a job. I got to go to school. I got to prepare for the next thing. And then you get to the next thing. You know, whatever that is, if it's, if it's trade school or, or maybe an AA or, or a BA or whatever, and then you get there and you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> now i got to actually work and get, now I need to go here. And maybe whatever you're doing requires a master's and then you need to get here and then you need to get here and here and here and here. And the fact is our Christian life is the same way. It never stops. You know what I think of it like? I know none of you have probably ever done this, but okay, I was going to say not that I have, but I have. Okay, have any of you ever gone up the down escalator? I'm not recommending this. I'm not, this is not, Okay. You ever done Who's done that? Let's just be honest for a second. Thank you. There's a certain thing about that, though. Okay? And I'm not saying do it, but I'm just saying. Okay. As you're going up, can you get to a point and say, oh, this is cool. I made it. Mm, you just keep going down, right? You actually have to keep going. You, okay, it's one thing to get up to the right speed where you, you're kind of you're stationary, but because it keeps going down, you've got to go a little harder. You've got to keep working. The Christian life is like that. It's, it's, never, it's never like you take the week off. It's never like it's time off. It's never like you've arrived. You're always going, and then it's kind of like heaven is the second floor. <laughs> Not at our mall, but, you know, some mall. We all have the sin nature, and it's in us. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. He has a standard for us, and none of us can really reach it on our own. Of course, he doesn't expect you to reach it on your own either. But here's the thing. Our emotions are affected by that. Every emotion we have gets filtered through this. I mean, the emotions themselves aren't evil. God gave them to us. Nothing he gave you is evil. None of it. The fact is that it just gets filtered through who we are and the sin that we have in our lives and the things that we've done that are wrong and all those things. And because of that, that emotion that that is a good thing in moderation and in the right place ends up being destructive. And because of that, those emotions get twisted and damaged and then they damage our our relationship with God and our relationship with each other and, and any future relationships. And those emotions range, there's so many of them. Think about this for a minute. I mean, this is just a really small list, but think about anger and how explosive it can be and blinding and rage and hate and 
Jesus equated hate with, with killing somebody, with murder, lust, ungoverned passion, selfishness. Again, Jesus said, even if you lusted after a woman in your heart, that's like having committed adultery. Oh, my goodness. Greed, desire to have more and more and more, never satisfied, never being grateful. Envy, because you can't always get what you want. Worry, it's a rare combination. This is, I want you to listen to this wording. Worry, it's a rare combination of an emotion that's both cripplingly powerful and utterly worthless. Man, I should have put that on the wall there. Cripplingly powerful and utterly worthless. Fear, usually a negative thing that keeps you from reaching your potential. Shame and guilt and despair, the absence of hope and sorrow and indifference. I don't know if you've ever heard it defined this way, but indifference really is the opposite of love. That's when you do not feel anymore. You do not feel, you, do, you, you don't care. When you don't care, that's actually the opposite of love. Man, grief, a deep sadness. It's an important one, and if you need to go through grief, you need to do it. You need to allow yourself to go through that. Pride. The thing is, a damaged sin nature is, it, because of the damaged sin nature, our, our emotions aren't evil, but they're just not reliable. They're not reliable for us making decisions and governing the way we live because you can't trust them. They drive you to do things that you know, if you, if you, were, if you were more calm or if, if it wasn't for that sin nature, you would know that's not the direction I need to go. It's not the thing I should do. But because of our sin nature, it drives us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. Think about fear. It says, don't you dare, you will fail. Crushes your ambition, lust, you must have it. We feel betrayed and we feel like we deserve to get revenge. And the thing is, they're not really meant to be something that tells us what to do. They're really just a gauge of what actually is happening. Not not something that tells us what to do. I think of it like this. I think of it... They're, they're, they're gauges, not a guide. Or, or even better, maybe they're a thermometer, not a thermostat. You see the difference, right? I mean, a thermometer, just you walk in and you say, okay, I see, that's how warm it is or cold it is. But the thermostat is the thing that actually governs the temperature and puts it at where it's supposed to be. How many times do you walk into a room and you allow whatever's going on in the room to set your temperature? Rather than you having an internal thermostat that says, no matter what's going on here, I'm going to be here. I'm going to let the power of God be the thing that controls me no matter what else is going on. Nothing else is going to shake me and and charge up my emotions or or pull them down either way. Because I'm going to be in there and I'm going to let God be the one that sets my emotional level there. You know what else? Emotions seem to, a lot of times, they they show, they're, they're kind of a measure. Look at this. Pleasure is a measure of my treasure. <laughs> I don't I felt a little Dr. Seuss coming on right there, but pleasure is a measure of my treasure. What you value, a lot of times you can see in how much you enjoy and where you put those things. And that's not, I mean, that's just, it's just a measure. They're not meant to guide us. They're just meant to tell us, hey, what's going on? You know what you should do? This may sound weird to you, but you should do this. You should actually maybe think about, um, interrogate sorry inter oh my goodness interrogating your emotions i know that sounds weird but let's think this through for a minute have you ever had this happen where something's going on and you you start to feel it rising up isn't it weird how you feel it right here and it's starting to boil and bubble and you're like oh right you ever wondered like interrogate them so you might do this you might say 
Hey, anger, come, come sit down from here for a minute. I need, to, I need to ask you a couple questions. I mean, no one would do this, right? But you say, anger, what's going on here? How did, how did you get in there? What, how did you sneak in? What, what window did you crawl in? What, what crack did you, you fly through? What, 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 what in the world is going on? How did you get here? And what happened that, that all of a sudden you now have control over me and you're, you're rising up and I, I feel less control and you have more control? What's going on here? Where did this come from? Huh. Think about this for a minute. Was he always lurking underneath and just waiting for a time to pounce? I don't know how many of us do this. And we mention this a lot because it's just an easy, it's low-hanging fruit, I know that. But how about the driving thing? When you get cut off or, or when somebody does something on the highway which you know is, is, is devastatingly unsafe and you start to feel that coming up. And what do you do? What's going on there? You ever thought about that? Why is this making me so angry? Why is this frustrating me so much? I mean, to this degree. I mean, really, if somebody cuts you off, how much much is that going to change your commute to work? 30 seconds? A minute, maybe, at the most? No. I mean, not even that probably, right? It's not about that. It's not about you getting to work late. But if you ask your emotions, like, why are you going like this? Why is it that big a deal? What might be revealed to you is the fact that it has nothing to do with that car on the road or where you're going that day. It might be something, a conversation that you left the house unended and, and unresolved. It might be something from, your, from, from the day before or the night before, and you're so frustrated about it, and it's been boiling in the back of your mind or in your heart, and you didn't even realize it, and all of a sudden, this little car gets in front of you, and now it's bursting out. It has nothing to do with that car. Or it might be just this, that, that there's a level where you feel like it's just disrespectful, that's my lane. <laughs> I own that lane. That cement right there is mine for the next millisecond as I drive over it. That's mine, and you cross into that. You pass that line. That's, that line is supposed to keep us apart, and that means I get to be here, and you can't be here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you start to think, I was disrespected. And maybe it has nothing to do with that car, but it has to do with a lifetime of disrespect that you've felt. And nobody's ever really given you your due. And because of that, you're frustrated. Or maybe you do have a very developed sense of justice. And there's been other injustices that you've seen. And when you see that person being so reckless, or maybe you've lost someone in a highway accident or something like that has happened. And when you see that happening, it just it cuts you to your core. And you know that is wrong. And God, where's the cop right now? And why isn't he getting him? And why are the lights behind me? I'm just kidding. This never happens. <laughs> Paul says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to those sinful desires. <laughs> he says, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, you're the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The thing about it is none of us are really all ever that far from, from letting these things take over. And, and Paul tells us, you know, where they come from. But then he, he also helps us see how to help deal with this. Remember that? He says, above all those things in that verse we read, put on love. Above all of these things, put on love. I mean, what is love? He, he kind of takes us down this progression. He says, First thing you need to know is these things do come from within us, and emotions are here to really report to us. They're not to control us, and our greatest weapon is love. But, but how do you put on love? You ever use this phrase, or maybe you know someone like this? It's like they wear their emotions on their sleeve. You know anybody like that? 
You know anybody like that? It's, it's like you can read them when you walk up. Their whole face just broadcasts everything they think and feel. You know anybody like that? What if, <laughs> me, I heard somebody say me. Okay, uh, what, if, what if we actually wore love on our sleeve? What if, what if love, if you put on love like those other things that control and drive you, but it was love. Love was the one that they saw. What if it was love that covered up all those other things and then when you bump into them or see them, love is what came out instead of those other things? What if, what if on the highway when someone did that and cut you off, you thought, God, I don't know what's going on in their life, but they need to get somewhere. God, bless them. Keep them safe. That sounds weird, doesn't it? You couldn't do that unless you had love put on. You really couldn't. Because they were wrong. And they did violate what was going on. And, and as that person's flying through traffic and they got a nicer car than you and, and you just blessed them for that. God, bless them. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Whatever's going on that they need to be somewhere, keep them safe. And God, bless them for those car payments I don't have. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us, please. <laughs> what do you wear on your sleeve? As people walk up, what do they see in your face? What do they see in your body language? How do you define this love? This love is a different kind of love than, than probably what you're thinking about. I'm not, I mean, you, you hear love. I mean, love gets used so many times. That word is, it almost loses meaning because we use it in so many contexts. And one of the great things about Greek, the language the New Testament was written in, because that was the, the normal language of the day, they use this word agape right here, which is a totally different kind of love than every other kind of love. This kind of love is a kind of love that, that really comes from God. And I don't know that you could really fully experience or, or give this love unless he gave it to you and you, you, you live it out. This kind of love is an unconditional love. It's a love that, that gives without expecting anything in return. It's a kind of love that gives no matter what the circumstance and no matter what you do, you can't earn it and you can't unearn it. You can't walk away from it because it's a love that he chooses to give and it comes from him. It emanates from his character. It's who he is. For us, we look at that kind of love, and it's so difficult to understand. I mean, we say things like, do you, you ever heard anybody say they love to fish? <laughs> I think this is funny. Okay, you love to fish, right? Really? You love fish? Because what are you doing to those poor fish? Right? You are teasing them with a, with a literal bait and switch. I mean, that's bait and switch. You're baiting them with something that looks really tasty and good, and once they bite into it, what is it? It's a barbed hook that cuts right into their flesh, and can you imagine the excruciating pain going right through their mouth or lip or worse? And then what do you do? You, you, you drag them around, and they're trying to swim away to freedom, and the whole time there's this thing in their mouth jerking them every way. They can't find it, and they zip all around, and you're just enjoying every moment of it. And then as you get them close to the surface, what do you do? You pull them out, and they're suffocating right in front of you, and their poor little mouth is, <gasps> and you're just, you're just so happy. Guess what? The thing is, as you're looking at them, and they're, they're suffocating, and they're looking up into your smiling big face, and you're, <gasps> and then you pull them up, and then if you keep them, right, what do you do? You let them die like that. You, you let them either, either just swim around in the water till they die or put them into a bay tank, and they just suffocate to death. And then, and then what do you do? Then you, you skin them, and, and you love them. Then you fry them and eat them? What kind of love is that? That is a sick, twisted thing. But here's the thing. You don't love those fish. 
You do not love those fish. You love the flavor of the fish. You love the excitement and the joy of the catch. And, and that every fisherman I know, it's, it's all about that tug on the line. And when, that, when they hit that line and you feel that tug and you jerk and you've got a fish on the line, there's nothing quite like that. And every person in here who's trying to teach a kid to fish, you want them to have that feeling. Because who loves fishing? Nobody. They love catching. We love catching, not fishing. So if a child is so honest about it, they're like, Dad, do I keep doing this? Yes, if you just wait a minute more, there's something going to happen and you're going to never look back and you're, it's going to catch you and hook you for the rest of your life because you're going to love that feeling and that it, this cast could be the one, the big one. You don't love fish, but you know what you see all over the place? You see fish love everywhere, don't you? It's not real love. It's, it's not love of that person. It's not really love that puts them first and thinks the most of them and wants the best for them. It's not that kind of love. It's fish love. You love what you can get out of that person, and you love what they can do for you, and you love the feeling you get around them, and you, you love things about them, but you don't love them. It's not agape love. It's not sacrificial. None of you have ever sacrificed for a fish, probably. I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know what that means. You know what love is? It's when you give something of value to somebody not expecting anything in return. And what's the most valuable things you have? I mean, you, your, your time, your, your effort. I mean, it's, it's really saying you're valuable and because of that, I give to you. No questions asked. Nothing expected in return. It's unselfish. Here, you've probably heard this a million times like I have. People talk about falling in love. Do people fall in love really? <laughs> I think they might fall in lust. I don't know that they fall in love. I don't know, not this kind of love. Not this kind of love. I mean, there's certainly other kinds of love, but I think what ends up happening is, is if people are really gonna love, they have to choose to love. Not just choose what they get out of it, but they have to choose love. And it means they give their attention, they give their affection, they give time with expecting nothing in return, whether you feel like it or not. What, what measures what you give is what they need, not what you want. What, what, what they enjoy, not what you enjoy. It's about them, not about you. That's love. So when people say they fell out of love, I, I really think what ended up happening is they didn't fall out of love. I think what happens a lot of times is they behave out of love. Sounds weird, huh? Behave out of love. You know what happened? They started putting other things in that other place. They started, instead of giving time to the one they love, they gave it to something else or, or other things or other people. And they behaved in a way that wasn't loving in the way I've defined it. And then all of a sudden, the feeling's not there either. I think it's like this. You don't feel your way into a behavior. You behave your way into a feeling. And if you're really going to do it the way God sets it up, that kind of love is a love that can never, it wouldn't change. It's something that goes on and on and on because you, you, you give to the other person. It's so easy, though, to point the finger. And they did this, and they stopped doing this, and it's like this, and so I can't. <laughs> you ever blame somebody for something that was really your fault? And you find out later, this is a stupid example, but years ago, I was, I was taking a group, I was driving the bus, and um, we're driving on the highway, and different ones in the group, you know, we had a few cars with us, they kept pulling in front of me, not recklessly, but pulling in front of me, and then leaving their turn indicator on forever. And I don't know about you, but that's just one of those little pet thieves where I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? Why'd you do that in the first place, pull in front of me? And I'm not saying this out loud, because I'd have been embarrassed, but... 
I was just driving and like, what are they doing? It's annoying. And I kept thinking these thoughts like, why is their turn indicator still on? It's so stupid. They got their turn indicator on like for two, three miles, I mean, 20 minutes or something. Then somebody else would do it. And then eventually I looked down and guess whose turn indicator had been on for like an hour. They were all laughing. When we finally stopped to, you know, to eat and whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, all these cars would come up behind you and think, well, is he turning? Is he not? Is he turning? And, I mean, I got a bus on the freeway. I'm saying I'm turning, but I'm not turning. So cars are afraid to pass. So this is, you know, before cell phones and stuff, and they're trying to communicate that without causing an accident or something. And the whole time, I'm getting frustrated with them, and it was me. And in our relationships, we do that all the time because we think it's them and not us. Back to that scripture. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live at peace and always be thankful. We're supposed to clothe ourselves in love, and it's going to give us perfect harmony. And, uh, and, and then we're supposed to let his peace rule in our hearts. It rules in our hearts. Doesn't perfect harmony sound good? Oh, my goodness, doesn't that sound good and safe, and it's a place I want to be and stay? And, but so many times our feelings, we keep them bottled up inside, and it's almost like we don't want to let them go. We have these negative emotions, and we recognize it, but we feel somewhat entitled to them, and there's things that have happened, and you don't understand. And I know I, I don't. But the peace, wouldn't the peace be good? If, if Christ's peace could reign in your heart, can you imagine how that would change everything? And... So many times, things that happen in our lives, it doesn't match up to our expectations. And because of that, it's so so hard to have the love and have the peace. There's this thing called an expectation gap. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's it's this thing where you expect certain things. And then when when those things don't happen, it creates a little gap. And depending on your relationship with the person and how healthy your emotions are, you put something in the gap. Hopefully, what you put in the gap is trust and grace. And you usually do that if it's, if it's something, if the gap is created by something unexpected. I mean, if, if you've got an appointment with somebody and they're, they're a little bit late, but usually they're on time, you know what? You know, you, you know, well, something came up and it was reasonable. And you know that because they haven't disappointed you all that much. So the gap's not very big and you can put trust in there. But what if the person's chronically late? <laughs> you start to put things in that gap that aren't very healthy. You start to wonder, is it just me? Or are they rude to everybody? You start to assign moral, moral problems to that person. You're like, do they just not care about time? I mean, is my time not valuable? Did I not have anything else to do today? I mean, really, what's going on here? What is the problem with them? Is it just me? And, and what's sad is about that, that we keep doing that over and over and over. It could be something simple. I mean, it could be all these things, but well, how do you get that peace? How do you let that peace rule? In John, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, so don't let your heart be troubled and don't let them be afraid. He's going to give us peace, he says. He's going to give us peace. You know what? I was reading this verse over and over and over, and as I was reading it, two, two little words kept slapping me in the head. Has that ever happened to you? I'm reading them, and it says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know what that means? I have some control over that. I actually get to choose what goes in the gap. I actually get to choose how much peace I experience in this. What, what if that let right there wasn't 
It wasn't like God is taking over and controlling us, but we have to surrender those emotions to him. I don't know about you, but how many of you can control your emotions? You feel like you got it all, all on lockdown. <laughs> None of us. You can't. The thing is, he, he wants and tells us we need to do it, but then he gives us the tool to make it happen. It's not about us controlling. It's about us surrendering to him and let him do the work in our hearts. If I can have the worship team make their way, make the way up here. The thing about it is, if you're going to let him, you need to let him. You need to actually surrender to him. In some cases, it means surrender your right to that lane on the freeway. Surrender your right to always be treated perfectly and do exactly what you want. Surrender your right. And in every way, I think what happens is God starts to work in you. You need to surrender even the way your mind goes and what you think. And maybe for you, you realize, I think the wrong thing all the time about people when they do something that disappoints. God, what do I do about this? You know what you do? You surrender that to him. You're honest about it and say, God, I want my mind to be more like the mind of Christ. How can I trust more? How can I believe more? How can I give more? How can I have more of that kind of love you want me to have? The thing is, Proverbs says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then in 1 Peter, he says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. There's that word again. Put, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you from Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Probably the best ever, too, is where Paul talks in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. If we stopped right there, we would say, Paul, that is completely unreasonable. Don't tell me not to worry. How many husbands have made that mistake? Your wife's worried about something. You say, don't worry. <laughs> like, that solves it. No, it doesn't solve it. It doesn't stop right there. You can't just not worry. Turn it off. He's not saying that. He's not saying turn it off. What he's saying is, instead... Instead, see that really powerful word? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Both you tell him and then you thank him. And when you thank him, you're, you're acknowledging the fact that he's met needs in the past and he can meet this one. Then you will experience God's peace. There's that word peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. I need both. I need heart and mind both both guarded then he says dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy so instead of focusing and thinking on the things that are that are driving your emotions up instead of thinking of good things good things and fix your thoughts on them nail your thoughts to them the peace of god will be with you that love comes from him. It's his nature, his nature. I'm going to ask you some questions real quick. I want you to shut your eyes for a second. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not preaching to anybody, but the Holy Spirit is. He's talking to you. I'm just wondering if anybody here is struggling in this area to control some of those emotions. Anybody at all? Just raise your hand real quick. It's a lot of hands. You can put them down. I'm wondering... Those of you who raised your hands, I, I feel like it'd be obvious then that we need him to help us. How many, would, how many with your eyes closed still just would raise a hand and say, I need, rather than the other emotions I'm putting on my sleeve, I need to put love on my sleeve. Amen. I don't know about you, but I need that too. I'm going to ask that we could do this for a minute.
I'm going to ask that if any of you have any of those needs whatsoever, I'm going to ask for you to pray along with me as I pray. Father, we come before you as a people who need you. We want our emotions to look like you. We want to love like you. We want to love selflessly. We want to give ourselves to people wholly and completely. God, we don't want to be controlled by these emotions. Instead, we want to come to you in prayer, pray for those things, and ask you to take those things on, those things that have been controlling us. And then instead, we want your peace to guard our hearts and minds. And we want to think about those good things. We want to wear love. That's what we want. I'm going to ask you one more question. If you would, humor me with your eyes closed for just one second. You might be sitting here today, and as we ended worship and talked about Jesus taking our place and paying for our sin, that may have been new, or maybe you've heard that before. And maybe we, as we've been talking about what God wants to do for us, you, you might be here, and maybe you haven't been walking with, with Christ. Maybe you haven't asked him to come in and, and help be part of your life and come in and maybe you maybe you know you've done things wrong that have separated you from him and you want to clear that up and ask him to forgive you if anybody here is like that today we'd like to pray with you anybody like that you'd raise your hand and say actually yes i would like to be closer to him today and i need that in my life anybody at all all right i'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a second and as you do, what I'm going to ask is that um, if anybody in here, you feel like you need extra prayer, that there's just something overwhelming you that you need prayer for, and, and you would like one of us to pray with you, I'd like if the pastors, their wives, board wives, those on the prayer team could come down really quick. And if there's something that you just need, it's kind of overwhelming. It could be an emotional thing, maybe not. It might be something healing related, or it could be some other thing going on in your life that you want prayer for. We want to pray with you. Because the thing is, a lot of times we, we talk about these things, but we need help. We need someone to stand next to us and to pray with us. And if you're like that today, we want to pray with you. So if you would need prayer, I'd like to just invite you to come down and we can pray with you today.